And welcome to it. A little bit tardy, but we're getting it done. It's Michael Pelka on the Piero Pelka podcast for this Thursday, the 17th of November. A whole lot going on. So much going on, in fact, I had to wait into the early evening hours to try and get in the studio and get things done. Why? Why? What's so important? Well, Nancy Pelosi fired, retired, whatever you want to call it. Nancy Pelosi made her basic farewell speech announcing that she would not, she would not seek the uh, leadership in her party. And I think Steny Hoyer, her, um, her lieutenant, also made the same announcement. So the Democrats are going to have a, uh, a big change at the top. After decades, decades of controlling the Democrats in the House, Nancy Pelosi is going to be a backbencher. And I don't think she's going to stick around very long. I really don't. I think once the uh, new year gets started and Pelosi gets the people she wants in place, I think she's going to retire. I think there will be a uh, an appointed Democrat, thanks uh, to the uh, California governor being a Democrat. That's how that works. Uh, Gavin Newsom will get to uh, nominate or uh, put Nancy's successor in place, somebody that she agrees on because they're related, I think, right? Yeah, there's a, there's a family connection there. So uh, who's going to be the leader, though, of the Democrats, not just take Nancy's place when she quits and I believe becomes an ambassador to Italy? Uh, it looks like the very far left, Hakeem Jeffries, will be there. He's an election denier, by the way. He's one of those real radical people. He believed that, uh, that uh, Donald Trump was not legitimately elected. We can go back and, and look at all of his tweets from 2020. We can look back and, uh, at the tweets from the uh, 2016 election as well. And uh, Hakeem Jeffries is a bad dude, in my opinion, not somebody I would want to have leading my party. Uh, he, he posted uh, back in 2016, we learn more about the 2016 election, the more illegitimate it becomes. America deser deserves to know whether we have a fake president in the Oval Office. Hashtag Russian interference. Election denier. Bad dude. The Democrats, I think, are on a, on a bad trajectory. But Nancy Pelosi gave a very heartfelt speech, well-written speech. I listened to the whole thing. No, I'm not going to share any of it with you because I don't want to torture you. And uh, ding-dong, the witch is gone. I'm not going to say dead. She gets to spend time with her husband. That's just great. I, I wish her all the best. Go enjoy your life in retirement with the hundreds of millions of dollars you made because you knew what was going on with the market because you were trading on all of that information, allegedly. Bye-bye, Nancy Pelosi. Don't let the doorknob hit you where the good Lord split you on the way out. Uh, there was also a lot of other news today that happened, a lot of very interesting news today. And uh, some of it came out of the Senate, some of it came out of the House in the Senate. Josh Hawley, senator from Missouri, was uh, just ripping FBI Director Christopher Wray over the FBI and how their power was being abused. Remember back when the FBI arrested a pro-life demonstrator? 
went to the House. And remember how the FBI has been taking agents off of cases that involve child sex abuse and human trafficking to uh, deliberately, that was the word, deliberately suppress investigations into the Biden family corruption. Here's a little bit of Josh Hawley. It is just absolutely fabulous. Plain. Let's just look at some of the things while you've been vacationing that your FBI has been doing. According to numerous whistleblowers who have come forward to members of this body, to members of the House, the FBI has been sending more than, in one instance, a dozen armed agents to a rural Pennsylvania home of a Catholic pro-life demonstrator to arrest him at gunpoint in front of his children in early morning hours, despite the fact that he posed no risk of violence or threat and had previously offered to turn himself in. Numerous whistleblowers, field agents, have alleged that D.C., your headquarters, has pulled them off working on child sex abuse cases, working on human trafficking cases, in order to work on January 6th matters for this reason, to give the appearance, they say, they say, that there are hundreds of new domestic terrorism cases in the country, when in fact there are not. This is so important. The Biden FBI has been weaponized against those of us who are conservatives to create a false narrative, to create fear among the American people. And when you hear it all lined up like this from Josh Hawley, you get really angry. And there's about a little bit, there's about another minute here that might even make you angrier. Senator Hawley, please, the floor is yours. Terrorism cases in the country. When in fact there are not. Yeah. Whistleblowers, field agents have also said that D.C. has ordered the use of SWAT teams on nonviolent suspects who may have attended a January 6th rally. And they have been ordered to conduct surveillance and knock on doors of people who were not even in D.C. on January 6th. And again, all of this, according to the whistleblowers, these are your agents, all of this in order to make it look as if there's a mass surge in domestic terrorism all across the country when in fact... The stats are being padded by political directive in your office. They also say, these whistleblowers, the D.C. leadership deliberately suppressed investigations into Hunter Biden, contrary to FBI procedure, and have also retaliated against FBI agents and whistleblowers who have contacted Congress, which, by the way, they are protected by statute. This is so amazing, and I'm going to pivot on the uh, mention of the Hunter Biden story to Jim Jordan because there was a great press conference today with Jim Jordan, Congressman Jim Jordan, who I think is just an absolute pit bull, and uh, another member of the House, Mr. Comer. So not Comey, Comer. Get it right. Uh, But Jim Jordan brought up the intended, the intended prosecution of investigation of Hunter Biden, the Biden crime family, and ultimately Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Jim Jordan laid it out today, chapter and verse. Jim Jordan telling us what's going to happen. Well, before you know what's going to happen, you have to know how we got here. This is absolutely fabulous. Never forget how the story has changed. I mean, think about this. When it started off, it was, no, it's not his laptop. It's not his laptop. Then it was, well, it's his laptop, but remember, it's Russian disinformation and no one did anything wrong. Then it was, well, maybe maybe he did something wrong, but President Biden didn't know about it. And now it's, well, maybe President Biden knew about it and was involved, but it, it didn't influence his decisions. 
Hmm. Interesting how that changed, how that morphed. And Mr. Jordan also brought up, we need to find out who briefed the social media companies. Who, who, who on the FBI sat down with people at Facebook and Twitter and God knows what other social media outlets. I think there are all kinds of questions that need to be answered, and we're, we're determined to get there. Here's some of them that I have. Did the FBI brief Twitter as well? We know they briefed Facebook. We know that had an impact on the election. There's been surveys done where, where thousands and thousands of voters across this country said it might have impacted their decision in the election in 2020. Did the FBI brief any of the 51 former intelligence officials who signed that letter? Again, that letter that became the pretext for suppressing this story. Who did the briefings? Who briefed Facebook? It's a great question. We need to know. He also goes into some interesting detail about an agent named uh, T-Bolt or whatever his name was. A, a guy who got transferred to run the D.C. office. A guy who had never run anything of substance in the FBI but suddenly got transferred to run the D.C. office. And it seems like there's a whole lot of really questionable stuff going on with this one agent. Check it out. Here's a name that I think is interesting. Timothy Tebold. So Mr. Tebold, now remember, we just did a report two weeks ago, <clears throat> Judiciary Committee, a report that uh, talked about the political influence and the political shenanigans going on in our Justice Department based on 14 FBI agents who've come talk to our office as, as whistleblowers, one of those agents said, and this is the term he used, he said, at the highest levels of the FBI, specifically the Washington field office, he said it's rotted to the core. Not talking about rank-and-file agents. They're doing good, good work. Talking about the top people at the Washington field office. We had another whistleblower who brought up the name Mr. Tebold and said Mr. Tebold is pressuring agents to catalog and categorize cases in a specific way to satisfy this narrative about domestic violence extremism. But what's interesting is a different whistleblower, one who didn't come to our office, a different whistleblower who went to Senator Grassley's office, said that Mr. Tebold... By the way, the head of the special agent in charge at the Washington field office, Mr. Tebold, is also the guy who suppressed information about the Hunter Biden story in October of 2020. I'd like to talk to Mr. Tebold. In fact, we have asked to talk to Mr. Tebold, even though he said publicly, I welcome a chance to uh, answer questions. He's refused to come in and talk to us. That's someone we need to talk to. Yes, it is someone we need to talk to. But will we be able to talk to that person, Mr. Tebolt? Will that happen? It doesn't sound like it. Jim Jordan broke it down that apparently the Biden administration and their FBI, the weaponized FBI, is uh, messing with this, too. Why has the Biden administration suddenly changed their position on suspicious activity reports? Used to be. Mr. Comer wanted to see him. Any member of Congress, any chairman wanted to see him, any ranking member wanted to see him, any member of Congress, any committee, you got a chance to see him. Suddenly, no, 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 we can't see him. Now, the important thing about these suspicious activity reports, there are 150 different suspicious activity reports about Hunter Biden and his business dealings. One is a scandal. 150 is insane. But the members of Congress who have the clearance are being denied the opportunity to take a look at that. I think they're allowed to. I think, I think Mr. Comer and, and our team at the Oversight Committee would kind of like to see the other 148. They've seen two. They'd like to see the other 148. So 
Um, we're committed to getting to the truth, the facts. We think that's what the American people are entitled to. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna try to help uh, Representative Comer and the team here at Oversight with uh, with our work on judiciary, but with a specific focus on what the FBI was doing. We know these 51 former intel officials, they got security clearance. How often are they talking to the FBI? Are they talking to the FBI? Who's doing the talking? Who's doing the briefing? Were they briefed? There's, there's so many questions that need answers. So many questions that need answers. And we're going to have to wait until January. But, you know, Thanksgiving's next week. And then we're going to run up to Hanukkah and Christmas. And then January will be here. The new Congress will be sworn in. The new committees will be assembled. And hopefully we will get some truth. Hopefully we will get an accounting of what actually happened with Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, James Biden, China, Ukraine, Russia, and God knows what other places Hunter Biden was vacuuming money up using his father's name as influence. certainly feels like influence peddling to me. But, you know, I guess I'm an election-denying conspiracy theorist or something. All right, I got a couple other things we have to talk about this evening. Uh, There's about to be a huge storm in Buffalo. They're saying several feet of snow might fall over the next few days. And we usually talk to Lauren Fix, the car coach, about her four-minute Friday. So we'll get Lauren Fix in here. And then the uh, FTX story. The cryptocurrency scandal, swindle, bigger than Bertie Madoff, bigger than Enron. The guy was worth billions, $25 billion a couple weeks ago. Now he's worth nothing. Where did all that money go? Who got hurt? Well, there's a suit against the people who promoted it. Tom Brady, Shaq, anybody who helped promote this is now enjoined in a class action suit from some of the victims, people who lost money. Can that happen? We need to have a discussion with our friend Wendy Patrick. She's a lawyer. She knows what she's talking about. And we'll get to her next on the Pure Opelka podcast. Aside from all the political news, aside from all the crazy stories about the huge storm that might hit Buffalo with five feet of snow in the next day or two, the biggest story that I think is rippling around the world is the FTX story, the cryptocurrency story about the 30-year-old guy who was worth about $25 billion two weeks ago, and now he's worth a dollar. And uh, it's, it's enraging many people who invested with the guy. It's enraging many people who think he may have swayed the election with all of the millions he donated to mostly Democrat candidates. But now there's a legal question we have to get answered. So we brought in our friend, attorney, author, public speaker, Wendy Patrick. She is a person who knows the law inside and out. And uh, I don't want to take all the thunder away from the story, so let's get to it. Wendy Patrick, welcome. Oh, it's a pleasure, Mike. Now, Wendy, uh, the FTX story is, is difficult for a lot of people to understand because it involves cryptocurrency. And when you bring up Bitcoin, Dogecoin, whatever coin is out there, People's eyes tend to glaze over because the majority of us don't fully understand the whole thing. And we wonder if it's all just smoke and mirrors. And this story seems to be proving some of those people who say it's smoke and mirrors right. 
But still, the, the numbers, the dollars are staggering. And the dollars that have evaporated and disappeared are staggering. And the investments that people gave to this guy, their money that they thought was being invested in cryptocurrencies, uh, it, it's now all gone in many cases. And I know, I know the governments are looking at it, and we're probably going to have that guy in front of a congressional hearing uh, for several days. But here's the big deal. There's a class action suit filed. And uh, on behalf of some of these investors saying that the people who promoted it, who appeared in the commercials, are now going to be sued for participating. Is this is this unusual? Is this typical? It's unusual in the sense that he the uh, the plaintiff is suing not only the company, the, the individual, but also the brand ambassadors. So the Tom Brady's, the Shacks, the celebrity endorsers, you know, they always say, you know, don't get financial advice from a football star. But is that really what Tom Brady thought he was doing, giving financial advice? So it's, it's a more of a tenuous case against those that were uh, promoting the product. But I'll have to say, you know, as a 25-year lawyer, I never want to say never. But it's going to be very difficult against the brand ambassadors. But I'll tell you one of the lessons. And I think one of the lessons most of the investors have learned the hard way is caveat emptor, buyer beware. You know, there's a reason most of us have not invested in cryptocurrency. And I think you teased it up very nicely. Most people don't really understand what digital currency is. They can't really articulate or understand, wait a minute, I'm paying money to buy uh, assets I can never see. Well, that's what happened. And then when they sought to get their money back, everybody, you know, hit the bank at the same time, so to speak, and there wasn't the cash available. And so the lawsuit's about fraud. Yeah, and it seems like massive fraud, fraud unlike any we've seen in a long, long time. And a lot of people got hurt. A lot of big, rich people, a lot of small people, businesses got hurt. But when here's my question. I watched the ad that Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen and others were in last year. And I think it ran during the Super Bowl or during the football playoffs. And Tom Brady appears to be endorsing this and saying, you got to get in on this. You got it. And it's a really well done ad. I have to tell you, I, I, I forgot all about it. So as a brand ambassador, even if you're a, a paid performer, can you be held responsible for endorsing something? Is, the, is there any history on this? Well, you know, it's hard to answer these questions on the fly because that's why you're going to have both sides briefing and having case law, you know, ad nauseum. I mean, these are really tough questions for judges, but it's not what you normally see. And you can imagine the policy rationale for that is we don't want people to be held liable because they, you know, believed in a product uh, falsely. Um, but, but that's just it. It's, it's unlikely anybody would knowingly lend their name, their image, their likeness to a product that they knew was fraudulent. And it's very hard to prove otherwise in these kinds of cases. So the Tom Brady's, the Shacks, they're probably as, as outraged as anybody else. And that's the kind of thing that's going to be brought up in court is, you know, what will happen now in the class action lawsuit is you'll see lawyers try to excuse certain clients from the suit. And that's typical. You know, you if suit can proceed against, you know, the, the owner of the company, the 30-year-old owner of the company, but not against you know, play, uh, defendants listed X, Y, and Z. And that's typical. And that will be the next step, Mike. You and I will be watching closely, probably along with the celebrity endorsing world, I mean, to see if, in fact, they get 
they get excused from the lawsuit quicker sooner rather than later, or whether there's some argument that's going to be made that they should remain. Boy, that's going to strike fear into anybody who has to endorse a product again, won't it? Yeah, it will. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, if you're asked to endorse a product, I would expect you would be indemnified at some point that the company would be the one held responsible for any damages done. And my mind dials way back, Wendy, to the 60s when we had media personalities, people in the news, uh, like uh, Mike, I think it was Mike Wallace or Morley Safer, were doing cigarette ads during their news interviews. And so could they be held liable uh, when those tobacco suits came forward? Uh, would we have to hold the Flintstones liable because they were smoking Winston <laughs> cigarettes in some of their shows yeah. too? Most of us are not old enough to remember the Flintstone characters smoked, <laughs> but I have seen the footage and I use it as examples. Let me give you a better one, Mike. How about uh, whether or not you have to prove that the celebrity endorsers actually bought the cryptocurrency themselves? It's kind of like some of those ads where you used to have models that were advertising products they were allergic to. Remember that? I mean, that's a business ethics issue. But there are so many questions surrounding this. I mean, if in fact... Tom Brady, Giselle, the other celebrity endorsers. Can you imagine if they're also potential plaintiffs and here they are as defendants? So they would also want to sue this guy because they believe they were investing their money if they did. And if they didn't, should they have been brand ambassadors? It's kind of like asking whether any athlete that's been featured on a Wheaties box, do you have to prove that they eat Wheaties? Yeah, there. I thought there was some regulation around that. If you say, hey, I use this then you really do have to use it or eat it or drink it or smoke it or whatever. But here's the idea, Wendy. Now, you know, you're going at it from a legal point of view. I'm going at it from an entertainment point of view. And now I'm starting to think about the made-for-TV movie that will tell the story. And at one point, is there a part in this where, uh, a moment in this story, where the celebrity ambassadors, the people who may have invested in it or thought they had invested in it, catch on? And they finally say to the guy at the top, hey, we need our money back. We know this is a scam. To which he says, well, then you got to help me get more fish into the pond. You got to help me drag some more suckers in here. And that's the drama that I would make it happen. So, and that's the, <laughs> that's the only way I could see brand ambassadors being culpable. And uh, it, it, this also means that influencers in in social media could be looked at in the same way we've got a whole new category a whole new class of people who could be held responsible for promoting things without the responsibility of doing their due diligence on the uh, credibility if you will what an interesting concept mike so it would be an issue of if you're going to lend your name your likeness to any particular product, you have to not only do your due diligence, but also make sure you don't do anything to potentially enlist yourself as a co-conspirator, which is sort of what you were talking about if they become recruiters. So you can be an ambassador and a recruiter only if it's a legitimate project that you yourself use. You know what, Mike, you should have gone to law school. I know you say you went to the Judge Judy Law School, but you have some very interesting ideas that no doubt will translate in some courtroom somewhere into viable legal arguments. <laughs> God help me <laughs> if I'm called to testify. But I will tell you this, and you know this from watching me on Facebook, 
when I play golf and I try and get that hole in one, I say I'm using the clear sports golf ball and the only golf balls in my bag have the clear logo on them. So yeah, I do back up what I say. And I think any brand ambassador, any influencer should do the same, but that's just me. Amen. <laughs> uh, yeah, what, what, and I know you do that. Amen to that. That's a great idea. Still haven't made the hole-in-one. Uh, Wendy Patrick is her name. You can find her all over social media. You can find her at uh, Psychology Today as well and wendypatrickphd.com. And that's also her Twitter handle, Wendy Patrick PhD. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Mike. And there she goes. And you know who's up next? The lady who's getting the snow shovel ready in Buffalo. We'll talk to Lauren Fix, the car coach, next on the Pure Opelka podcast. Our friend Lauren Fix, the car coach, is joining us. If you're a regular listener to whatever I'm up to, you know that Lauren is just the coolest. She has a great job. She reviews cars. She also shares her knowledge of cars in the automotive world in a regular weekly video on the uh, Car Coach Reports YouTube channel. It's called the 4-Minute Friday video, and we're going to talk about that. But uh, I have questions for Lauren Fix. My friend, welcome. Well, thank you for having me, and I appreciate the uh, the shout-out. Always, always. Uh, I love what you do on the 4-Minute Fridays. I love following you on social media. You got great reports and updates and all the cars that you're test driving and stuff. But uh, I know you're a Buffalo girl, and I have to ask you, yeah. how do you people in Buffalo deal with it when the weather report says, uh, we're going to have four, five, maybe six feet of snow over the next few days? How much food do you put in? Well, you know, there's two factors here. One is, it's the being a weather person is the only job you could be wrong every single day and not get fired. So that, that's the one thing. And the reason I say that is because you're going to get feet of snow. It's coming. Everybody freaks out. What do they do? Same as everywhere else. They buy bread. They buy milk. They buy eggs. They take all the pasta off the shelves. And then nothing happens. So when they say in Buffalo, it's going to snow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I live in the North Towns, which is if you take the airport, of perfect area, the throughway. And I'm not kidding. The throughway somehow splits the weather. If you live on the northern half of the thruway up to the Canadian border, you get snow, but certainly not when they're calling it on the on the Weather Channel. And I'll, I'm on the Weather Channel talking about this Jim Cantori uh, throughout the weekend. But if you're on the south side of the thruway, you get nailed. So as we speak, the south side is getting hit. I can see grass outside. There is not even snow in the air. But we're supposed to get it. It's shifting. So I always have food in the house. I'm always prepared with everything from soup to nuts literally but that's pretty normal for most people you know you go to bj's costco whatever but um we're expecting ready for this three to five inches an hour wow that's a lot of snow that's feet of snow what well, well if, if it goes the way the weather forecasters don't even know but if it goes the way the weather forecasters are claiming we're looking at, let's see, they've already shut the throughway down as of 4 o'clock today. So if you had a, if you were on the throughway of the trucker, they'd tell you, you you're, they're banning trucks. Uh, but we're looking at somewhere around, well, at maximum, I think it's a little bit 
hooey, they can, they can go to as high as 10 feet. But looking at the weather right now, we're looking at three to four feet of snow is what we're going to get. Hmm. Maximum four to five. But again, where are you in the area? Yeah, and the, that is a, a great point because the uh, snow, especially the lake effect snow, has a, a tendency to target certain areas based on where it came from. Uh, is it, has the uh, term bomb cyclone been used on this one yet? No, I have not heard that. Scare me. Cause that, well, <laughs> that's the one they used the last time you guys had that crazy five-foot snowfall that, you know, people were like, we got five feet in one day. And then they, they said, well, it's a bomb cyclone effect. You're going to so, laugh. I missed the whole thing. I was in Charlotte doing a job with uh, NASCAR. My husband's telling me, we got all this snow. And I'm listening to the local radio on my phone thinking, all right, I land literally 24 hours afterwards. There was maybe an inch of snow in my car. I'm like, are you guys like making this stuff up? So it depends where you are also. Yeah. But uh, a lot of people did get nailed. We lost power here for about three days. So, yeah, that, that was not fun. So you have firewood. You have milk, bread, and eggs. So you can have French toast. And I'm sure you have wine and nuts, as you said, oh, yeah. and soup. So you're good. I'm not going to worry. My kids are adults. I don't have to worry about feeding them. I'm just feeding them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not going to worry about you, Lauren Fix. I know you're well equipped for I'm all of that. I'm a survivor. I want to talk to you about something. I sent you a message earlier this week. We were having an argument in the, in the studio about gasoline. And when people buy gas for their cars, what do you put in your car? And, and one of the guys was saying, I just put in regular it's it's a joke it's a it's a scam to say you got to put mid-grade or premium or or whatever in your car so i said well let's find out because i asked you this question a long time ago and i don't remember all the details so lauren fix the car coach someone who knows her stuff uh do you have to put regular gas or premium gas or what gas should you put in your car Actually, it's a really good question. A lot of people are confused, especially with the price of gasoline. People are going, I'm going to go to the cheapest stuff. Number one, if you have a vehicle that is not a flex fuel vehicle, and if you don't know if it does, it probably doesn't. It would say it on the back of your car, flex fuel. Do not, under any circumstances, put E85. It's the cheapest of the gas. It's mostly ethanol and 15% gas. Do not put that in your car. You will have tons of issues from it. It will cost you thousands of dollars in repairs because it's going to set off every computer and every light. It's going to look like a Christmas tree. So don't do that. Hmm. So as far as getting the right fuel, if you open your gas door and it says requires 91 octane, put in 91 octane. If it doesn't, if it says use 87, then use 87. And the reason you want to do that is a lot of these super fuel efficient cars require premium fuel because they want the vehicle to run what they call lean, in other words, to get the best fuel economy. However, if you don't and you put, it says premium, and you go, ah, I'm just gonna put whatever in, it doesn't make a difference, you can actually void your warranty. So a friend of mine who has a premium brand, I will not say the brand name, uh, was running the cheap fuel and then had a problem, took the vehicle to the dealer saying, hey, this should be under warranty. And the dealer came back with, yeah, you've been running the cheap gas. How do they know? Because it retards the engine. It's called retarding the engine. When the engine's running retarded, what ends up happening is it doesn't run efficiently, it doesn't run effectively, and the result is it causes a problem. They fixed the problem this time because it plugs up the fuel injectors. They said, you do it again, you avoid the warranty on the engine. It's wow. amazing how you start running the proper thing. So they're not fooled. You can't fool them. So if you've got turbochargers, superchargers, high compression motors like that, 
If you don't know what that means, just think about a turbocharged engine or a supercharged engine. It's going to recommend premium gas. If it's just a gasoline-powered vehicle, typically, not always, even a Prius might say premium, so make sure to read it. So the key thing is you think you're saving money, but you might be costing yourself down the road. So the key is to use what it says to use. Don't bother putting in premium if it says to use regular 87, because that is a waste. Then you're just it does, it's not, you're not going to gain anything. Okay. And uh, well, I'll wrap up this topic with one more question. If I am driving my car regularly and putting in the recommended fuel, is there a monthly, quarterly, annually um, additive I should give to my gas to kind of clean out all those injectors? Yes. So I, I'm not sponsored by them, but I'm going to tell you the best one out there is made by Tecron. It's called the Complete Fuel System Cleaner. Always put it in on an empty tank. So as you, you're down to a quarter tank or less, pour it in, then add the gasoline. Never put it on top because you're going to kick off all the emission systems because it'll just flip out on you. So you want to put so it'll blend as you pour in. If you do that every three months, you'll find that it'll clean out the fuel injectors. It's going to save you money. You're get better fuel economy, better performance, especially if you've got a high performance car. And it doesn't have to be like a Corvette. It could be, uh, you know, BMW 3 Series. It could be a an Audi. It could be a Volvo. Any of those vehicles, they prefer to have clean fuel injectors because otherwise, all you're doing is plugging them up that with buildup, and it just costs. That's thousands of dollars if you wait and don't do anything. Wow, wow. I I remember uh, decades ago using gum out on the carburetors. Oh, every, yeah. every six months, we'd get in there and spray the carburetors. And my dad's thinking, what the hell are you doing to my car? Don't worry, Dad. We're yeah. fixing things. We're making things yeah. better. <laughs> but Tecron. Tecron every three months. Yeah. And as yep. Lawrence said. Complete fuel system cleaner. Okay. Clean out those fuel injectors. Always good. Uh, as I yep. said, Lauren puts out a great video every week called The 4-Minute Friday. It gives you car smarts. It's free. It's on the YouTube channel. You should find the Car Coach Reports YouTube channel. You should smash that subscribe button and the like button. What are we learning this week, Lauren? Well, you know, I, I'm hearing more and more and more about what's going on with this catalytic converter theft. I'm sure you've discussed it. I, I think we've discussed it in the past. And it, they just actually arrested a huge ring of people. It was millions of dollars that they had made off of all these catalytic converters. And they take them off of large quantities a fleet sometimes, like if they're delivery trucks. Yeah. But that's not where the money is. The money is in dual system cars. In other words, it's a hybrid and it's also gasoline, like a Prius or something along those lines. Those are the ones they want because those have the most amount of platinum and palladium in them and they're resaleable. So I, I want people to realize if you can't park your car in a garage or in some sort of place where it's secure, then I highly recommend you park underneath a light Try not to park in the street if you don't have a choice. Remember, these thieves move quick, and you won't know it until you go out to your vehicle and you start it up, and you're like, wow, that's really loud. <laughs> and it's not necessarily trucks. They're, these guys are pros, and they use what's called a sawzall, which is a circular saw, and it's like zip, zip, and they're out. So it's so quick, you may not catch it even on your doorbell, but I will tell you, that uh, the problem is getting replacement parts is very challenging right now. And the reason that it's so challenging is all the palladium and platinum comes from the Ukraine and Russia, and they're not shipping us any. So what we have is whatever we can get from other countries. So wow. 
if you if it happens, you're going to find yourself without a vehicle for a while. Yes, insurance should cover that. Yeah, well, you hope you don't have to experience that. I know your biggest fan, uh, Jim Horan from Tom and Son Automotive, sees about three or four catalytic converters wow. a week, and he's got a small shop in uh, just outside of uh, Philadelphia. And he said they're just coming in, and they come in, and they come in, and like you said. They have no idea. They wake up in the morning and blah, blah, blah. like, what the hell happened mm-hmm. to my car? Yeah, that's what happened. Uh, so check it's it out. Scary. Yeah. Check it out, people. Go to the Car Coach Reports. Watch the four minute Friday and uh, say a prayer that Lauren doesn't have to dent the wine supplies too much this weekend with all the <laughs> with all the snow coming in. Uh, my friend, thank you. I want everybody to follow you on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and also the YouTube channel, Lauren Fix. She is the car coach. And you'll see her on the Weather Channel, too. So uh, keep your eyes open. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you.